Lock us in, load us in, pop in that A-track, spin the tape. Here we go. Hey now everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Star Wars Time Show. It's going to be a fun episode, but kind of a sad one. And why is it sad? Why is it sad? You may be asking yourself, well, that's because it's going to be our final Resistance recap of the show's first season, which which wrapped this past Sunday with an excellent season finale that had paid off on some of my predictions. It left a great cliffhanger for us to speculate on going into season two, and I think it really left the series on a high note. But it's going to be rough not talking Resistance, not doing our Resistance videos on Monday. I really did become a... I guess a diehard of the franchise over this first season. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're not going to have a big poo-poo party for this Resistance recap. We're going to celebrate the, sh- the show, the finale, and where things are going forward. And, you know, Nick, we're not going we're, we're to let the franchise just disappear from Star Wars Time Show. I'm sure we'll be doing some special topics on it, speculations for Season 2. You know, we'll be covering any trailers for that. Uh, but anyways, brother, No Escape Part 2. One hell of a finale, wouldn't you agree? It was fantastic, man. Like you said, it it paid off on a lot of the things that we were waiting on. A lot of your predictions that we had throughout our our season one run of casts came true. Um, Others, maybe not, but it was such a good final episode that not only brings to rest everything that we saw in season one, but it also sets up a potential season two really well and i say potential season two because obviously we haven't gotten any sort of you know go from disney yet. oh no no it's got a second season okay so it's already we already do have the confirmation yeah oh yeah it's greenlit they're rocking and rolling well there we go so now we you know with season two confirmed we know that we have somewhere that's really interesting to go because of how this season finale played out so i was i was a huge fan i mean it it let everybody shine in their own way. And that's what I thought was really cool is that it wasn't just focused on one character or it wasn't just completely focused on Kaz. Everybody had their role to play and everybody's role was very important to the end of the entire season. Yeah, it it was, like I said, it was a great finale. I mean, sometimes finales, especially for a first season, can be tricky, even more so with animated properties. I mean, it's sometimes with with these cartoons, it's hard to hit home runs, especially with older people like myself and Nick. Uh, But that's what this, this series did throughout this first season. So... As we always do on the Resistance Recap, before we really get into our recap and review, we're going to go ahead and cover some of the Easter eggs slash Star Wars franchise references that uh, popped up in the episode. And it was, as Nick and I were talking offline, it, it had quite a few. I wouldn't say, I really don't think this entire second half of the show had some of the great eggs that the first half had. Like, oh, look, there's a Stormtrooper helmet. Oh, look, a Snowtrooper helmet. Oh, look, this, that. Uh, it's been more reference-based type of stuff, but I, I think we still got some solid ones here. Like I said, I found six. I don't know if Nick uh, noticed any that I missed, uh, but the first one, right off the bat, it, it's literally one of my favorite lines in all of Star Wars. Anyone that watches Star Wars will know exactly what I'm talking about if I say Red 5 standing by, right? Oh, yeah. 
episode one i mean ep- not episode one episode four when they're going they're essentially going through the roster before they go and attack the the death star red five standing by right. and then they just go down the line before they before they start making their trench runs on the death star so yeah that's it so that's so a, what we got in resistance that that referenced that line from luke um kaz and tour they're they're kind of on this little mission to try and flush first order troopers out of the colossus it's still submerged and Kaz basically says, Tora, you ready? And she goes, Tora, standing by. And I, I know you, you could interpret that as she was just saying standing by. No, I'm telling you the writers put that in there to as a nod to Red 5 standing by. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, she could have said anything there. She could have said, ready. She could have said whatever. It's so many different phrases. But for her to say standing by is definitely a nod to A New Hope. I mean, that is a a quintessential moment in Star Wars. And it's just like, like you said, it's one of those things that sticks in your head and you know exactly what's happening as soon as you say Red 5 standing by. So, yeah. And she's also a pilot herself, so maybe she's just used to the the call-in, the report-in, roll call, whatever you want to call it. But I like that. I've also, I've become a fan of Tor in general. I I think we're going to get more of her in Season 2 now that, and spoilers, by the way, not that we ever have ever done spoiler warnings on this resistance recap. We just figure you guys have brains. And if you're listening to a recap, you don't care about spoilers. Uh, But I I think she's going to become much more prominent because Tam has been separated, right? So she's going to fill that kind of female lead role that, that Tam held down for most of this first season. For sure. For sure. I agree with that. Okay. Up next, our our boy, our girl. I, I, we're kind of undecided on CB. I, I think we we now we went with this as a female droid CB twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. She um she pulled out an old trick that she might have watched on some hollow tape from the great R two D two. Kaz and Tor, they're kind of in a shootout. They were cornered, and what does she do? Well, she, first she shoots out her cables, and then she sprays out an oil slick. So a a clear reference to R2's abilities uh, in particular what he did in Revenge of the Sith or Rots as I like to call it uh, when he took out some B2 battle droids when they crash landed on Grievous's um, separatist cruiser yeah that was a really fun moment in both return and in resistance when i saw it happen i was almost waiting i was like is she going to set it on fire because i know i was kind of bummed that she didn't light it but yeah i guess the ball droids only have a lighter and not rocket boosters so she probably didn't want to catch herself on fire good good call good call yeah because we have seen you know in tfa we saw bb with the lighter thumbs up um but no we have not seen him use any sort of rocket boosters speaking of that that was the first time i saw that movie that was like one of my most favorite funny moments when him and finn are you know plotting together and he's like yeah yeah thumbs up <laughs> I a loved, lot of people I mean, thought that that was the fucking middle finger for some reason oh no nah, well, i remember i was like we, dude, we, no. we've come to the conclusion that most people are fucking stupid right that's, that's so, true that's true I mean, we, we can't blame them it's just they can't help it yeah they can't but they i did can't i love that droid i mean he's bb8 within just one movie elevated himself in my opinion right up there with r2 and c3po absolutely uh, he's fantastic. just so ex- expressive with his well, he's, he's, he's like a like a puppy yeah exactly he's he's a nice droid he's he's caring where you know r2 is just he's an asshole to c3po c3po is an asshole to him r2 you know kind of has an attitude sometimes R2 is also super one track mind. Like if you go watch scenes with R2, like he is one track mind. And if what? that track 
gets him he, fucking. He executes back. his missions like a yeah. motherfucker. I mean, he essentially is a taskmaster. He's the one that has to keep C three PO in line on their first Tatooine mission and then their second Tatooine mission when Luke sent them off to you know, essentially get a foothold in the Jabba's palace. But we're here for resistance. So uh, next egg, Nick, I I thought this was cool. I actually did go research where this term was first spoken, and and I was surprised to find out where it was. But uh, Kaz and the Aces are getting ready to head out and defend the Colossus on their starships, essentially. And he says over the radio, basically, let's go blast some bucket heads. And, and this obviously is a slang term for our lovely stormtroopers. And believe it or not, the first time it was used was in the Clone Wars, Nick. I, I had no clue. Um, I thought it was probably spoken in, in the original trilogy. It was not. It was the Clone Wars, and then it was heavily used in Star Wars Rebels. I think that's where I remember the term being thrown around from you know, uh, Ezra or Kanan, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I can. I don't specifically remember it in the original trilogy, but you know, mentioning that it was in Rebels, yeah, that's definitely where it was used. The oh, most. I, had to, I had to hit up Wikipedia for this one, buddy. Really? I was like, I so, knew the term. I knew the term had been spoken before. I don't remember it in Clone Wars, though. I, oh yeah, I, I remember it being used, but like Clone Wars had to be B one by... battle droids were the ones that said it, and oh, I don't. Wow. I guess they were referring either to themselves or the clones. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I would never have guessed oh, me neither. that a B1 was going to be the one who first said that. Interesting, interesting stuff. But uh, all right, yeah. So uh, Kaz, yeah, Kaz calls them Bucketheads. And then that was the theme of our top five like two weeks ago. It was all, it was all Buckethead top five yeah, Instagram Nick's picks. middle name is Buckethead. Yeah, I need to he get lo- one. He loves the troopers. I do too. I mean, I, I've said this before. I love the Empire's aesthetic. Even the same with First Order. They're a little more rounded. Yeah, but I just love the look of the bad guys. I gotta get, I gotta get a helmet. Do you have one? Do you have like a, a full? Not size? a legit. No, I have not. I, I've considered some of the Black Series helmets because you know you can get those for around a hundred. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know, man. It's just like I guess I can draw a line when it comes to collecting. <laughs> <sometimes>. Yeah, <laughs> and just recently, the past two or three years, it's been um, just figures, fi- high end figures, and, and yeah. dolls. So. One of my friends bought a. When TFA first released, she bought the Kylo Ren helmet, Black Series, and it came with a voice changer in it. Yeah. So you'd put it on and you would talk and it would have like the, the robot Kylo voice. So it, was, it was pretty cool. Oh, they're they're legit. I mean, they they just put out a Vader one earlier in or late 2018. So might want to check the sale racks because sometimes the helmets linger a bit. Uh, I know some Poe helmets are still sitting out there, and I believe those were released for either TFA or TLJ. Yeah. All right. So, Bucketheads rule, and it's a great uh, slang for stormtroopers. All right, speaking of slang, we, we got some spoken, some Hatties, if you will. Uh, so, Freya Fenris, she's one of the aces, really wasn't used much. Or the aces in general were just kind of side pieces this season. I mean, you, you could argue Hype probably had the, the most prominent focus outside of Tora. But either way, Freya, she's kind of like the, the Russian girl, like, let's go get these... Uh, but when she is being attacked, so there's a big dogfight going on, a big air battle. Uh, two TIE fighters are chasing her, and she says, in reference to them, get these Sleemos off my tail. And I was like, oh boy, we know who likes to use that term, and that's our buddy little Anakin. Oh Remember? yeah, I mean, this is one of the first, is this one of the first TPM references that we've gotten in Resistance? I don't remember too many. Uh, 
Yeah, there's might have been one or two others. Uh, in general, the prequels haven't been as heavily touched on as the originals or even the, the new trilogy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, this is a, a direct nod to TPM, I think. And if those unfamiliar, because I, word is most of you think TPM is the worst movie ever made. So you probably haven't seen it in a while. But this this goes down when Anakin and Sir Balba are getting ready for the Boon to Eve race. And he basically comes up, breaks Anakin's pod racer, and then Anakin... Gives him the old Jaskruni Depot Slimo. <laughs> like, eat my dick, basically, is what that translates to. <laughs> Roughly in Hutties, Matt studied it extensively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like with with uh, all the Star Wars I've watched the past six months with my kid, we've never had the. I, I It's all on my Plex server, so I don't take the time to load up the subtitles for the alien stuff. Yeah. So the entire time, she has no clue what the fuck Job is saying or, or Leia Bausch. <laughs> I just sit there and kind of throw in some commentary, and she's like, oh, yeah, that works. Yeah, all you got to do is, oh, yeah, she's, you know, oh, saying that Shuda. I'm going to. Oh, Yoto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we've seen Star Wars once or twice. Yeah. So, all right, so, um, yeah, that was cool. I mean, Slimos get a little nod to our boy Anakin before he became a pussy. Uh, next up, another one from Kaz. Uh, this, this is kind of a big one. I mean, w- we knew that Kaz got the coordinates for the Resistance base in the last episode. He never really spoke it out there, but uh, in this episode, he finally lets everyone know, Dakar. We need to get to Dakar. And this is the Resistance base that we see in TFA and very, very early on in TLJ as they are um, uh, egressing, essentially. So that that's another just kind of a direct tie to the new trilogy now this show is literally butted up right with the end of tfa yeah I mean, we're I mean, right at the middle to end of tfa timeline wise at this point definitely and you know we we may get into this when we get to the recap and review but it's very fortuitous that they may not end up going to dakar because we know what happens like you said in the beginning of tlj they're essentially you know the, the First Order shows up, starts bombarding the planet, and they have to get out. So, I mean, we'll see what happens in Season 2, but we do know for sure that the Colossus is not one of the vehicles or one of the vessels included within the uh, Resistance, I guess, fleet, the Resistance fleet as they're running away from the First Order. Oh, yeah, TLG. not at all. And, I, I again, we'll, we'll get there during the recap, but... I like what the writers are doing here. I mean, yeah. we, we talked about it. Like, well, what can they really do? Are they going to go to the car? Are they end up at Crate? I mean, that wouldn't make sense. And they made the most sense out of what they had to work with. So we'll get there. I, I like where this thing ends. I think it's uh, very ideal, if you will. For sure. All right. So uh, the last one, and, and this, you know, the Pirates – are the best Easter egg and Star Wars franchise reference givers in Star Wars Resistance. They they killed it during the first half of the season. We didn't get to see them as much during the second half. And, you know, if I was a psycho, I could have just went over all of the Easter eggs that I talked about that they provided with the, every episode they're in because they're always wearing old armor, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, but anyways, uh, for the first time, we learned that the pirates have Gamorians within their ranks, as we saw at the very end when everyone kind of tucks tail and runs into the Colossus as they hit hyperspace, and the pirates have joined them at this point in time, and they have a little Gamorian sitting there. I was kind of wishing he had more of his traditional job of the hut Gamorian guard type of look, but it was very clearly a walking green pig. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for those of you who do play Swago, you know that the Gamorians are also included in this in the uh, um, Rancor raid in the very beginning. So good stuff there. Gamorians, they're very intimidating. They're a very intimidating folk. Like you said, fat, big old pig uh, type creatures, green. One of my favorite aliens of all time i'm not gonna lie i've always been fascinated by the pigs i just i love them in in jedi yeah they're literally they're pigs yeah like they squealing it when he's getting eaten (laughs) i mean it's fantastic i like how george didn't even change the language he's like just make them squeal like pigs like we we don't need (laughs) and when the guy's like perfect perfect So, yeah, man, I mean, this was a pretty good episode. I mean, if we go back for the last couple, we haven't had this many eggs or references in one episode for probably three or four. Yeah, I, I've been rocking two or three, and some of them, as Nick has called me out on, were quite suspect in terms of stretching things a bit to uh, yeah, make it work. These are all legit, though. I mean, these are all very clear, very obvious references to either, you know, a, a prequel trilogy uh, original trilogy or sequel trilogy movie so solid catches by matt again um if it was just me you probably would have only ended up with three i definitely had the cb23 i definitely had the slimos and then i definitely had the dakar reference for tfatlj the other ones in the middle um you know i probably would not have caught those as quickly <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like that we're keeping score now yeah um all right, so let's, all right, so yeah, let, let's yeah. get on to the good stuff, and that—that's the recap and review. And as we open the show, I mean, this was just—it was an ideal season finale from start to finish. Uh, it picked up right after the events of part one, so you got to kind of key back in on Kaz, who had just watched his homeworld get obliterated by the First Order. And I have to mention, I, I mentioned it in the video and in the post, but what Christopher Sean did with that scene was something special. I mean, it, 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 again, this is a cartoon. It's a lighthearted cartoon. It's even more lighthearted than Star Wars Rebels was, I believe. I believe Rebels and Clone Wars kind of got kind of dark. Yeah. Resistance, for the most part, has stayed pretty uh, jovial, positive. I mean, we knew some shady shit was going on and stuff was going to happen. Uh, but but the, the tone has been fairly fairly light and, and, and happy. Uh, but... The way Christopher acted out that scene of, of, of a person just watching his friends, family, everything he ever knew get vaporized out of space, it, 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 coupled with the animation animators created for Cats, it, it was just beautiful. It, it was beautiful. Um, so much so that we, we noted it, we called him out on social media, and the great Mr. Christopher Sean replied because he's awesome. Yeah, he's one of our biggest fans. I don't know how many podcasts out there doing regular resistance recaps and reviews like we are doing regular resistance content but i mean christopher sean has definitely been one of our most active fans on social twitter and instagram so we appreciate the love and obviously we appreciate the work that that he's doing with kaz on on resistance but yeah i mean the way that that character is evolved and the way that that christopher's really brought him along uh, up until this point, because like you said, for the most part, like we always talk about Kaz being this like jovial buffoonish exactly. type he's character. Exactly, he's a klutz, like he's a clumsy, lovable lughead. Yeah, type. So and, he, then, and the way Christopher acts him, like he, the way he raises pitch and lowers pitch, and then just perfectly when Kaz needed to be 
not so jovial, not so happy, kind of depressed, kind of down and out. I mean, he he just nailed it. So yeah, uh, that that kind of set the tone for the episode in terms of quality, and then it went right into all right, we got to get shit done. So. Once Kaz collects himself, he and Tora, they go off to free Doza and Yeager. Uh, they do that fairly easily. They get themselves some guns off some troopers. And then the Niku plan comes into place. Nick, go ahead and set that one up. I, th- I, I Niku's another fantastic character. Yeah, so Niku is essentially trying to flush the entire um, interior of the colossus that's currently underwater they need to flush it out they need to get all the water out before right, they can take off this is a space station i know we, we kind of speculate on that a few weeks back uh, it, it's a space station so as nick said they, they need to get half the ocean out so they can take off and, and his plan is to open hatches and use kaz and tour to kind of cat and mouse troopers into these corridors that will eventually suck them out into the great deep beyond and yeah. I, I don't know if you watch nick but some of the the bumpers coming back from commercial you could see you could see the the fish like carrying bucket heads in their mouth yeah i did i remember that because yeah like one of the scenes they get you know the the troopers get flushed out and then these big shark like creatures come and just one of them just like you can see him eat this trooper like he's got the leg in his mouth and then, like you said, one of, coming back from a commercial, you can see just the helmet in one of their mouths as he's swimming on. So that was, yeah, that was really cool, uh, really fun stuff done by the animation team there. But if you remember an episode in the previous episode, No Escape Part 1, there was a plan. Like, it was a panic plan, but it was essentially the same thing. Like, Kaz is trying to escape from the clutches of First Order troopers who are chasing him down. And his, his panic plan was, like, we got to, like flush out the water in this in this hallway that I'm in and I'll hang on and then the troopers will get sh- you know shot out and that's essentially the plan for the entire station now is like Matt said to essentially have Kaz and Tora lead these troopers into these in- interlocking hallway areas where where Niku can then close the doors and flush all the water out shooting them out into the ocean and this all needs to be done in a timely manner because they're on a clock. Like, the First Order is still here. They're eventually going to find out that they're trying to, to get this station airborne again. And it's put even more on a clock when Tierney and Captain or Commander Pyre are now taking, planning to take Tam off of the station. So the, this whole plan is in motion and, you know, all of this action is happening while... Commander Pyre and Agent Tierney are essentially leading Tam off of the station. Yeah, so we, as as Kaz and Tor are flushing people out, Yeager and Doza, they, they sneak back into Doza's office, which has been occupied by the First Order, kind of working over Tam, and they're just monitoring the station. It seems Doza's office is essentially the bridge, if you will, or at least a control station. We know Niku's in some sort of control center, too. Uh, so they get there, they overhear the plan that they, the First Order wants to get off station, off world, in fact, and they are going to take Tam. So that's when Yeager and Doza, you know, call up Kaz and Tor and say, hey guys, we need to get to the landing platform, we got to save Tam. So that's where they go. And as I predicted, things don't quite go the way Yeager and Kaz thought they would, right Nick? They do not, they do not. I mean, even I was of the mind that Tam would make the right decision here. And, and come back to her friends, to the people who she's known for so long. But 
it, it seems like the the amount of you know brainwashing that Agent Tierney has been able to do on her held because after a very long standoff where we do see you know some of the Easter eggs we mentioned like um, CB23 and his oil slick move, ultimately Tam decides to get on the the ship with the first order oh, officers yeah. and get out of there. Oh yeah, I I, I really did believe this is where things were going to go. And and I think I even, we may have to go to the archives as they say, but I do, I do think I said, I, I think she's going to join the first order and she's going to be pitted against team fireball. And, and I think that's how season two is going to play out. I believe Pyre, Tierney and Tam will make up the lead forces that will be hunting for the Colossus. Yeah, they're going to that, That's what I think the, the second season is going to be about. I think the good guys are going to be trying to find the resistance as they are lost in hyperspace, and I think Pyre, Tierney and Tam will be leading the hunt to track down the Colossus. I think so. I think you're right about that. And you know that they're going to put Tam in a in a tie fighter as soon oh, as possible. Oh, hell yeah. Why, See, why mean, do you think they wax Von Reg? I mean, spoilers. I, that, I mean, we're we're gonna get there, but I mean, Von Reg got fucking taken out in season one. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be the most badass pilot they had, and yeah, he's 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 dead. So you know, get let's get there. So after Tam and Tierney and, and Pyre take off in the First Order lander, the the Colossus essentially moves into you know hyperspace mode they're they're trying to get well, out it, of it's the lifting off atmosphere. like it, it's taking yeah. off out of the ocean while all this is going on there you get a great shootout as tam is deciding what to do she makes the wrong choice yeager's like fucker we got to get to the ships because he knows what's coming he knows that the first order is, is tucking tail and running they're they're about to send in a battalion to blow this thing out of the sky and not so only a battalion an actual full-size star destroyer oh, yeah. shows up in atmosphere uh above the colossus and starts shelling it so they get yeah they they get to the hangar that the aces get in their ships kaz yep, doza breaks them out so we got the aces back you got kaz you got yeager they strap up bucket straps up cb straps up and they all head out and and what in my opinion nick this is one of the the better if not one of the the best air battles I've seen in Star Wars, and I say air battles because it takes place within the atmosphere. It has never made it into space. It, it was fantastic. It was like the whole, what, last 10 minutes or so was this air battle, and, and it had everything that you want in a Star Wars dogfight. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had chases. You had people saving other people. And then the, the moment I spoiled, like that moment with Kaz and Yeager, fan fucking tastic oh yeah dude and it's just it shows like that was another huge moment for kaz because you know it's essentially if you don't stop von reg yeager's dead like yeager is going to get vaporized and that is when kaz again shows his medal shows his true star wars hero you know medal and fucking finds a way to cut off Von Reg while flying through the smallest opening possible in the Colossus cuts him off, blows him up, saves Yeager's life. And then, I mean, that's essentially the, the, I don't want to say the turning point because at that point, like once Von Reg's gone, the first order, they can't really hang, you know, the aces are doing their thing and they're really starting to pick apart all of the regular tie fighter pilots and you know the the star destroyer in 
in the atmosphere is really only shelling the station itself. But luckily, the Colossus has a pretty thick hide from what we can see. And yeah, know, I mean, it, it, I, I believe it was just bouncing off of shields. I mean, we, we weren't seeing any uh, carbon scoring, as they say in, in the Star Wars. None universe. at all. Correct. Uh, but yeah, Nick, Nick's right. I mean, once Von Reg was taken out, things were starting to go south for the First Order. But they also needed that the good guys need to make the jump to hyperspace. So, you know, that's when Kaz is like, all right, let's fucking turn the shit around. This this Star Destroyer is fucking us up. We got to We got to make the jump. So that's when he lets everyone know we're going to Dakar. We know that's the resistance base. They, they kind of it's a very similar scene to how the opening of TLJ uh, plays out, how the, the fighters kind of fly into the docking bay just as the, the ship hits hyperspace. I thought that was rad. We didn't bring up the fact that the the pirates came back during the air battle. Yes, another so prediction pirates. I had. Sonar led them back, but they are all there. Craig in there, probably just looking to exact some revenge. Yeah, they came um, in on their big pirate ship too, not individual skiffs. They came in on the actual pirate ship, and right, they, and they came yeah. in at a key moment to help Kaz out. Uh, yeah, because I believe he was being chased, and Sonar came through. And it, see, I I called it, people. If you've been listening, there's two predictions. Yours truly called very early on. Before yeah. it was clear where things were going, that turned out to be true. So, Filoni, you need a writer, you need a proofreader, you need just another <laughs> asshole to surround the office, give me a call. It was solid, it was solid guesswork. I don't want to say guesswork. I don't want to say guesswork because you, like, we both put a lot of thought into Yeah, it's, it's, it's their educated guesses. It, it's yeah. using our knowledge of the, of the fandom, of the franchise, the lore, and just having a brain and kind of understanding narratives, it, it wasn't that hard to piece together. For sure. And But there is one kind of storyline plot thread that, that was introduced very early on in the show that really didn't get paid off on. And that was the First Order mole or First Order spy on the Colossus Station thread. And at least to this point... We still don't know if there is a first order spy or yeah, mole. Yeah, that, that I know we were talking about this offline. That, that's a very good point because Nick and I were talking. I, I do believe Leia and Poe's initial charge to Kaz was to figure out what the first order was doing on the Colossus, implying that they had people there. Uh, I mean, they eventually got there. They used the pirates. I mean, maybe the, that's what we were talking about. I don't know, uh, but you know, Nick could be right, or it could just be hey. Um, who cares? We've moved on. That was just to get Kaz on the Colossus, and he was our spy type of yeah. thing. Yeah, it could definitely have just been, you know, a a little way to get him there and then set him up for his greater mission, you know, which turned out to be saving the Colossus and all the people as a whole. So, and as so, like you said, we're setting it up. So Kaz says, all right, we're going to Dakar, and then... They jump to hyperspace and then Niku comes running in. He's like, <laughs> "This is oh, fantastic!" We made it. They're all celebrating, yeah. and having a good time. We're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go join the resistance." Then Homeboy shows up. Yeah, and Niku is excited as all of them and breaks <laughs> and breaks the news that we may be going to the car or we may be going in the middle of nowhere because I had to put in the coordinates half-assed and wasn't right. able to get the whole thing in, so we may end up in the middle of space. Where nobody knows where we are. <laughs> or as, as Han said, you could just literally just res back into a planet and die. So. Yeah, you could but end I, up in the middle I, of the What was star. funny, and I'm glad you, you mentioned his, his uh, demeanor when he explained this mess up, but he was, Niku was just as happy as everyone else, basically saying, I, I fucked up, 
We're not going to go where we thought we were. I don't know where the fuck we're going to end up. We literally could fly into a sun. Yeah, exactly. But he was like, yeah! <laughs> not a hint of disappointment. Not a hint of like, oh nope. shit, I may have messed no this up. No remorse, nothing. Just <laughs> say, hey, couldn't get the coordinates in. Suck it up. I mean, that's yeah. how he is, though. That's his outlook on life. Yeah, I mean, like, he is, he's not a glass half full person. He is a glass full person. <laughs> like, the glass is never even remotely empty for Niku. And I just thought it was, so it's going to be very interesting. And like we said, the setup for season two, you can go two ways because they could end up on Dakar. Like Niku says, he says, we could end up on Dakar, but we could end up in the middle of nowhere. So if they do end up on Dakar, that puts us in a very interesting time period because like you mentioned, Matt, we're butting right up against the end of TFA, beginning of TLJ. And we know the, that timeline, the beginning of TLJ, is when the First Order jumps on to Dakar and the entire resistance has to evacuate immediately, which throws us right into the entire 16-hour sequence of, of TLJ. So that's one option. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's a chance in hell they're going to Dakar for that exact reason. I, I think, as I said earlier, I really think this is going to be kind of cat and mouse, at least maybe for the first ha- half of the season, as the First Order is trying to track down the Colossus. Uh, and then maybe it will butt up with Crate. I doubt it. Uh, I, I, th- I really think they're going to keep Team Fireball completely separate from the Resistance as long as possible. I if think not, so too. forever. Yeah, I don't think that that we're ever going to see a full link up. Like, we're not going to see Ray on this show. We're probably not going to see Finn on this show. I mean, we've already seen Poe. Poe is a part of, of Star Wars Resistance. But I don't think we're ever going to get into a situation where the two parties link up. I think they're going to be like... The Colossus may end up being like the clandestine forces. You know, like, you guys keep the keep the resistance alive stay separated from us because if one of us goes down i don't want all of us to go down kind of thing um so that that's probably what we're going to end up seeing in season two which makes for a really interesting narrative to see what role they're going to play in the rebuilding of the resistance especially post tlj well they've got the fucking colossus i'd say that's a good start right yeah i mean they have got a refueling station Right, they've got a key war asset now in their possession. Yeah, I mean, that could have come in real fucking huge handy in TLJ when the reason that they couldn't, there you know, you run away from the First Order was because they didn't have Niku's enough fuel. It's all fucking Niku's fault, see? If this son of a bitch would have jumped right, fucking Vice Admiral it, Holdo would still be alive. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody would have made it. <laughs> Rest in peace, Amelin. But um, a hero. I, yeah, I really enjoyed this this season finale as a whole and just the introduction to Star Wars Resistance and its characters throughout season one. I really do think that this show has a very bright future, especially moving into the area that we've been talking about, this this post-TFA, pre-TLJ, like, few minutes. And then eventually we're going to get into a post-TLJ timeline with this show if it continues to go. Just logically, we can't have all of season two happen within the span of just TLJ. So I'm really interested to see how the writers of Star Wars Resistance decide to use these characters and use this plot line to further the narrative and to fill in these gaps and, and, and really give extra context to those 
movie fans, those real hardcore Star Wars fans like us out there onto like what exactly was going on during this whole downtime. Yeah, and, and I don't really necessarily want them, the stories, to link up. I kind of like how this season played out where, you know, they the, the, the big players checked in just to keep that connection to the new trilogy. Uh, but they didn't, never really dominated. I mean, we, we had some post-centric episodes, but even those episodes, the Resistance people were the, the stars, the leads. You know, Poe always kind of played a, a supporting role to Kaz. Yeah, and that's what, how I'd like it to continue. You know, maybe they they hear the distress call from the resistance on crate. You know, or just in the ships. Like, where is everybody? We need help. That that's the type. I'd be fine if we just got something like that. Yeah, even yeah, if, if like Leia's just, last call. Yeah, like radio transmission stuff like that. I don't. I definitely don't want to see the major players come into the next season. Like physically come in. Like I don't want to see ray link up or anything like that but the radio communications and showing that the colossus the people on the colossus are in some way helping out the remainder of the resistance i think is key because that's what really interests me is like yeah obviously i want to see how the the guys on the colossus are going to fare on their own but i also want to see what they're doing to help the cause because yeah, that's 100 percent yeah that's initial. We, we've said this before about these these new even the the the, the got brother or the got duo ryan's films you know oh it's gonna be it's skywalker saga is done right skywalker saga is done it's done it's done it's done after nine it's done yep uh, i think they've made that point but we've said or at least i've said all along like that that's great that's great these new series still need to reference what came before them, though. And I think Resistance did it perfectly with TFA this season. I, I expect it to do the same the next season if it keeps going on. But these new shows, 90%, 95% of it should be new stuff. New characters doing new things. But the other 5% should always be either looping in stuff from the Skywalker saga even if it's just a reference I'm not even talking like you gotta bring the characters on even yeah. if they just say oh remember when Ray did this remember when Ray saved the resistance even something like that you gotta have those ties in these these new series new movies and probably new shows coming up yeah I agree I agree we have to especially working in this timeline working with these characters that are now almost inexorably linked to the TFA, the sequel trilogy, there still has to be that tie, I feel like. You know, you know, if we oh, get dude, another... You know as well as I do, from here on out, everything's going to be set post-9. Yeah, that's what I'm I was going to I'm almost positive say. Disney's like, okay, we've, we've done our obligation to George in, this, in the Skywalker saga. Now we're just, we're moving on with what we started. Exactly. I was just about to say that, like, you know, once a new animated series comes around that is set after nine, where you're completely outside of the Skywalker, you know, area, then I can totally understand that you can, you know, you choose to stay away from mentioning those characters too much or, or really focusing in on, you know, whatever the new narrative is. But with Resistance, I feel like you still have to you have to keep those ties. Oh yeah, together. but even in those new shows, I want that lore to exist, and I want it to be referenced. Like I said, they don't have to do a a whole movie on the study of the Skywalkers, but the the impact of the uh, fall of the Republic, 
the fall of the empire, the fall of the new republic, and whatever the fuck happens in nine has to be referenced in these shows. Yeah, I mean, even if it's just you walk by a fucking marketplace and you see, you know, uh, shit. I was picking up like Easter egg type of stuff in Resistance. Yeah, there's got to be that connection for me at least. I'm all about moving on to new stuff. Yeah, got to stay grounded in what made Star Wars popular. I'm not saying that means you always have to do Skywalker stuff, but you got to connect that lore with the new stuff. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what Ryan's trilogy is going to bring and what additional, you know, opportunities come up from it. Because initially when it was first announced, he's like, this is going to have nothing to do with anybody, you know, or any location, you know. So if this is say, this is set in a completely new galaxy. This is, you're not even in the same galaxy. It is feasible that you don't hear anything about Skywalkers or the fall of the Republic or anything like that. I'm not going to be one of these people like, oh, fuck it, I'll never go see it. It's going to be terrible because it's not what I want. I just know for me, unless this shit's set like a thousand years into the future, there should that lore should still be in there. Yeah. Okay, if you go a thousand years away, we never heard anything about the Old Republic and, and the Skywalker saga. That's fine. True, true. So, yeah, but I mean. If, if they're only jumping like 40 years from the end of nine, come on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, man, it's going to be really interesting. Season two, I'm really hyped for it. This one ended on such a good, solid note. Gives us a great lead into season two. And then, obviously, you know, this show is is going to end up linking in with the end of TLJ, probably episode nine somewhere as well. So I, I am really excited for the future of Star Wars Resistance. And, you know, a lot of people are upset that they got this and not uh, Clone Wars or something well, like people, that. People, it's coming. Yeah, Get Clone Wars is shit. coming. I mean, this is free. This is free quality Star Wars programming. You don't, you don't have to fucking own anything to watch this shit. Yeah. So get on the train because it's a really good show that gives great context into what is happening around the Star Wars galaxy while everything's happening. On well, the I, it was, a, I mean, for a brand new property, brand new characters, it, it I think it, it went pretty damn good for its first run. I mean, you could argue the, the first half, first few episodes a little slow, but they, hey, they got to set the world up. The characters It's called world building. Yep. You, you got to have that shit in there. Uh, but but once it hit the 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 halfway point and then really the the, the second half of the season, Jesus, we got yeah. some really great stories out there. Um, I, those of you that have taken a stand, like I'm not going to watch this. It's more Disney shit. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look Star Wars. It just I'm asking you to give it a chance. Give it a chance. Yep. It's Star Wars after all, right? I mean, it's not like we're we're asking you to drink bleach. <laughs> you're supposed to love this stuff so you know give it give give it a watch but it is going to be sad not talking to nick uh tuesday nights about resistance but i'm sure we'll find some resistance topics to cook up i definitely want to do a video speculating on potential season two plot threads and all that fun stuff and you never know if if christopher shine keeps hitting us up I'm, i'm sure we'll we'll mention resistance every now and then on star wars time show proper so Thanks, as always, people, for tuning in, especially a lot of you new people. I mean, uh, we've been cut over here on Star Wars Time, StarWarsTime.net for, what, four months now? Something like that, three or four months. Uh, We're getting a little bit of falling going on. Uh, Definitely having success on IG. We appreciate everyone over there. Hopefully you guys have been digging our IG Top 5. It seems to be a big hit with the artists that are getting featured, and I know Nick and I love doing that too. So make sure 
Keep those browsers tuned to StarWarsTime.net. I don't even have to spell it out for you. StarWarsTime.net. You should know how to do that. Once you get there, you can find the podcast links. You can find the YouTube links. You can find more toy photography, in fact. So, please, StarWarsTime.net. Give us a chance. Give us a listen. I'm trying to step away from my prequel hate because I think I've been scaring a few people away. And, And really, I was just looking like an asshole saying... You can't talk shit about the new stuff, but then I talk shit about the old stuff. So I'm correcting my ways. That doesn't mean that if I've had a few beers, Nick might not get me to react to something about Revenge of the Sith. You never know. But we're here. We're all Star Wars buddies. So please stick stick around for the ride. Tell your friends. You know what to do. StarWarsTime.net. All right, people. There's always time for Star Wars time, right? May the Force be with you. Always. (laughs) 